Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Never a dull moment around here. That is uh, obviously true here once again. I'm always amazed around Georgia football, some of the stuff that like becomes like a three-day story that ultimately ends up never mattering at all. And I believe we may have an example of this. We're now on day three of talking about Jade Maeva, the quarterback from UNLV. And it certainly seems like that discussion will result in a player who, at least based on how we understand things as of right now, is actually not going to end up at UGA after a couple of days of thinking that he might do that. If you're just sort of waking up here on a Wednesday or if you've been, you know, perhaps busy and in meetings and things like that, let me give you the latest on this. A lot of reports out there, the first one I saw very early here on this Wednesday morning came from Greg Biggins, 24-7 Sports. I'll show you this. I don't think he necessarily broke the story. He just happened to be the guy that I saw have it first on 3 ESPN. Pretty much everybody reporting this now. Biggins writing on Twitter in one of the more whirlwind recruitments I can remember, I'm now hearing that former UNLV quarterback Jaden Maeva has flipped his commitment from Georgia to USC. Uh, this one has gone back and forth two or three times, so this one might not be done until he starts classes. So bottom line is, on threes had it, 24-7s had it, ESPN's had it. Uh, it seems like uh, Jaden Maeva at one point in time choosing Georgia over USC has apparently rethought that decision and now looks like he may be going to USC instead of Georgia. So over the course of the next uh, day, perhaps the next week, we're going to recount the top moments of the Jade Maeva era there at Georgia. A lot of folks have great memories of the Maeva tenure here. Uh, <laughs> one of the great debates we have sometimes is, who earns DGD status? I don't quite know that Maeva earned a DGD status in his uh, roughly five minutes of being connected to the Georgia program, but this is one of those crazy things that's out there. Now, let me recount what we have said about this because honestly, I think everything we did say has actually kind of held up pretty well in light of the idea that Maeva is moving on or perhaps never even coming here to begin with and uh, just going to go out to USC. Let me recount what has been said about this as a reminder, and then I want to give you. I think a pretty important takeaway about this kind of stuff moving forward, something we've also probably said before. So we have said multiple times since the Maeva news occurred that I probably still favored Gunnar Stockton to be the backup quarterback for Georgia next season. Who knows if I would have turned out to be right about that. But I believe I know enough about Stockton to believe that he is well positioned to at some point in time perhaps be a starting quarterback at Georgia and perhaps well positioned to be in a valuable spot next year, which is the backup to Carson Beck, learning as his understudy, getting a chance to play in a traditional backup role. And if something bad were to happen, Beck were to get injured, I would believe that Stockton would have first crack to be the guy that goes out and gets a chance to start. Now, we said that even when Maeva was apparently coming here, and I don't obviously you know see any reason to change our mind on that now, even if Georgia goes out and gets another quarterback. In other words, Maeva had pretty good numbers at UNLV. We discussed this yesterday, better than, in some respects, some of the more high-profile transfers who are going to more high-profile locations to perhaps be starter you know, the Maeva numbers kind of compared pretty favorably to some of those guys, but that was never enough for us to say, therefore, he's the number two quarterback. And when Carson Beck leaves, he might go on to be the starting quarterback. We just never really quite got there on all of that. We still like Gunnar Stockton a lot. And the fact that Maeva has sort of rethought his decision with Georgia 
perhaps that validates that opinion even more so that Georgia might actually be in pretty good hands with a backup quarterback overall. I believe that Georgia would still like to get a veteran quarterback, perhaps with some starting experience, uh, but apparently that's not going to be Maeva, who kind of rethinks all this and ends up going in the uh, direction of uh, apparently USC, and we'll see if that ends up being a done deal or not, but that's sort of where that stands uh, here right now. A very strange story indeed, but I think the strangeness of this story sort of reinforces something we've been saying here for a while, is that college football has become a very much a short-term proposition story, that that college football has become a very much win-now story. You know, the old thing that Kirby Smart used to do, the, the phrase that he somewhat made famous, the idea of W-I-N as an acronym, what's important now? And college football, that is probably more true now than it ever was. And I think if you're looking for the lens from which to kind of view this Jaden Maeva story, a guy who was coming here in all likelihood wouldn't play very much in 2024. And if you're not playing very much in 2024, do you even stay for 2025? And are you willing to be that patient, kind of wait in the wings and wait your turn and compete to even be a backup? And then after that, perhaps compete to be a starting quarterback for a lot of players in this day and age of transfer portal and we think soon to be kind of unlimited transfers where you're not bound by the one-time transfer decision anymore for a guy like Maeva who has three years of eligibility that perhaps was just a weight that you know having a chance to rethink this that maybe he wasn't sure he wanted to go through and so therefore a guy who's more of a long-term proposition for Georgia ends up not being a proposition at all and if you're a fan I think that's the important takeaway on all this right now that players that can't help you right away probably should not be viewed as important now as they would have been in the past and that kind of comes across a little bit cold a little bit callous whatever I don't mean for it to necessarily be that way but you know we see this for you know players that Georgia signs they come in you know they're here for a bit and then they're gone because you know it just didn't quite materialize for them fast enough at Georgia so they moved on you can't necessarily feel you know uh is sort of ill will towards the players for doing that they're simply leveraging the system that's in place here right now but in terms of who we prioritize and in terms of who we spend a lot of time talking about you know that conversation has got to be spent around the guys who can help you right now that college football is not quite the long-term proposition sport that it would have been in the past and in the past smart coaches were the coaches that were building for the future and laying the groundwork for what can help you two three perhaps even four years from now I'm not quite so sure that luxury exists around college football anymore. That Jaden Maeva was the kind of guy that coming into UGA was only going to matter to this program perhaps two years from now, and that's simply just too long into the future to have any actual tangible value here at this moment. And ultimately, the decision to kind of commit to Georgia, then perhaps based on these reports, flip that decision away from Georgia, just sort of shows you here that anybody that's sort of a part of your long-range plans may not actually be a part of your plans there at all. So Maeva comes in, apparently going out, and the actual story for Georgia on the field in 2024 remains unchanged. This has become a time in which saying focus on the guys who can help you in the moment probably matters more than anything else. All right, let me kind of shift gears here to something else for a moment. Speaking of sort of new eras and new ages in college football, something that probably 
I think is the kind of thing we may have to get used to in the future. And I joked about this a moment ago about whether or not Shane may have earned DGD status in his roughly five minutes of being committed to the Georgia program. But on a more serious note, a guy in the past that we have said should be considered a DGD and someone that we do believe should have you know, kind of a valuable place in the Georgia football story sees his college career now come to an end. I'll show you this on the screen. A.D. Mitchell writing a very uh, touching, heartfelt letter in the Players' Tribune. Some of you have kind of shared this to me. And, you know, obviously uh, uh, Mitchell reflects on being a father. He's got a daughter here. But in the midst of thanking the folks at Texas for his time there, he also writes this. He says, and to all my Bulldog fans, my amazing coaches, my brothers in the field, the legendary 2021 class, we did that. We made history together. I love all of y'all. And to me, this sort of reflects a very modern college football story. A guy who, upon leaving to move on to the NFL draft, and by the way, we think that Mitchell can be a terrific NFL wide receiver, but a guy in moving on to the next phase of his uh, football life thanks a couple of different schools. He thanks his current school and he thanks his former school. And I do believe that Georgia fans need to have some room for this category. A guy who did not play the entirety of his college career at Georgia, but my gosh, did he make Georgia better while he was here? You better believe that he did. And if you want to have the more serious conversation with the true definition of the idea of a DGD, damn good dog, if you want to have a true definition of what that actually is, to me, that's always been the simplest explanation, the simplest definition, and the easiest to understand. Did you work to leave Georgia better than you found it while you were here, while you were a part of the Georgia program? Did you work to put this program on a higher footing when you left it than it was when you got here? In the case of A.D. Mitchell, if you're watching on video, big catch against Alabama, the national championship game, big catch against Ohio State, a guy who just had a penchant for doing big things in big games. Clearly, A.D. Mitchell did that. So for all of us who are you know, kind of in college football in this day and age, we're all having to try to make sense of what's new about this sport. The players coming and going. Some of them coming and going before you ever get a chance to actually meet them. Some, though, sticking around long enough to make a major contribution. Not the only school they made a contribution to, but no less a gigantic contribution made to Georgia when A.D. Mitchell was here participating in a couple of national championship teams. So he thanks Georgia on his way to the NFL, and I believe that Georgia fans would do right to wish uh, Mitchell well as he moves on to the league as well. My name is Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Breda Pass Management. We're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us. Normally I say live on video. We are some version of live today, live for our comments. Uh, our first and 15 there at dognation.com, which starts at 945 and our RS Andrews cool down when the show is done. We're live for all of that, but um, kind of pre-recorded for the what we think of as the sort of normal portion of the show we're doing that as a way of really kind of being able to ensure we deliver the show in the way that you've come to expect it so having a good time uh, doing that with you here today by the way a couple of notes on all of that here coming up in a moment prior to that though let me remind you that we're brought to you by breda pest management the official pest control provider of uga athletics now i love this because that gives you the chance, me the chance, to have the prestige of knowing that the official pest control provider of UG Athletics is also serving us as well. 
for our termite protection, for our pest control, bugs, critters, things like that. Breda Pest Management, keeping all of that away from you and outside your house, which is a really, really good thing. And in addition to that, not only can you brag to your friends and say, hey, the same pest control company that takes care of Sanford Stadium is taking care of my home. But in addition to that, the prestige that has been earned by Breda Pest Management for all these years in business since 1975, 125 employees stretch all across our market area, taking good care of folks on a daily basis, that strength as an organization can be leveraged for your benefit there too because when you make the switch to Breda Pest Management for your termite protection, for your pest control, you're going to put more money back in your pocket just for making that decision. And that's a really good thing right now. We're all looking for ways to save money where possible, to put more money back into our pocket when we can. Breda Pest Management will help you do that. You may have gotten that letter in the mail that your cost of service is going up with your current termite company. That's not going to be the case at Breda Pest Management. They're going to take good care of you, and they're going to put more money back in your pocket just for making the switch. So do it today. Uh, reach out to them uh, online, bredapest.com. That's the website, B-R-E-D-A, bredapest.com for more on that. The official pest control provider of UGA Athletics and a really good friend of ours here on Dog Nation Daily as well. All right, a couple of uh, programming notes, and then we're going to get on with the rest of the discussion here, including looking at a very fun topic around Georgia here uh, coming up in a couple of seconds. But so many of you know this, we are pre-recording portions of this here right now we talked about that a little bit a moment ago a couple of things we pre-recorded yesterday and we did so in light of the thought of the time that Jaden Maeva who had committed to Georgia was actually coming to UGA and so a couple of things today we're gonna have Mike Griffith on in a moment the portion where Mike and I talked about Maeva we just simply took out so the Mike interview is going to seem really short part of that's because we just spent some time talking about Maeva at the end and that just seemed really really dated and so we yanked that out also today, we have uh, former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm on the show. We talked to Jake about some very interesting stuff as it relates to being a part of an NFL franchise that sees a head coach get fired, uh, the fact that Jake was actually put active on the active roster for the final two games of the year. Uh, so that's kind of a nice thing for Jake. So we'll talk about some of Jake's actual football career, which is really interesting. And the portion where we talked about the Maeva news there, I'm going to leave in because the actual angle we approach that from is, hey, if you're one of the quarterbacks on the roster, like a Puglisi or a Stockton, you know, the idea that another quarterback could come in and be competing with you still seems relevant, even though it perhaps won't be Maeva. So we'll leave that in with Jake Fromm uh, coming up here in just a little bit. Now, with all of that said, uh, let's now get ready to go around the doghouse and have what I think is kind of an interesting and fun conversation because I always love this portion of the year when we turn the page to the new year. Even when Georgia's the reigning national champion, there's just something really fun and kind of exhilarating to me about the sort of 365-day college football calendar and the fact that there's always a new year to get excited for and always a new year to get ready for. And I would say that that's probably more true in a year like 2024 because Georgia obviously you know, had to deal with the indignity of not winning a national championship here during the 2023 season and very eager to do something about that for 2024. And one of the things that you see right now is that in some of the kind of way too early top 25s, you know, ESPN's had one, a lot of the major uh, outlets have had one, and I don't believe I've seen any of them thus far, and perhaps you have, and maybe you could show it to me if you have, but I don't believe I've seen any of them thus far that have not had Georgia as the number one team in these way too early top 25s here thus far. So, you know, we didn't need that, for those of us who are Georgia fans, to tell us that Georgia was going to be a major contender for the upcoming season. But it does just sort of confirm that even more that right now Georgia's sort of standing on top of the world 
in terms of these way too early top 25s. So later on the show, we're going to kind of get more into detail about exactly where other teams are ranked and kind of what Georgia's perhaps top competition for a national championship next season is. But also, I want to do something over the next series of days here a little bit. You know, I want to look at at least three. We may end up doing more than that, but I want to look at at least three issues sort of perhaps standing in Georgia's way, questions maybe that need to be answered as Georgia tries to kind of get back on the national championship horse and reign on top of the sport here at the end of the uh, 2024 season, where it's going to be a very new look and quite different season for the sport overall. So Georgia right now kind of thought as the unofficial preseason number one to begin 2024, but what are the challenges awaiting UGA as it gets ready to do all of that. I think first and foremost, primarily, when you think about what would be the thing that would perhaps be a stumbling block for Georgia that would perhaps prevent this championship success from occurring, I think first and foremost, one of the things you look at is the schedule overall. That while right now no one has a better roster in place than Georgia that, that than Georgia does, uh, this is also probably to begin a season as tough a schedule as I can ever remember Georgia having. In fact, let me give you a reminder of this if you're watching on video. Not the prettiest graphic, I'll admit that. But uh, nonetheless, I by the way, I made that. I'm criticizing myself. Um, but when you look at the overall schedule, you see how challenging it is. How about a neutral site non-conference game against Clemson to begin the year? You know, How about a new-look Kentucky team with Brock Vandergriff on September 14th? How about road games September 28th at Alabama? Uh, at Texas October 19th, a very highly ranked Ole Miss team November 9th, plus the, at least for now, traditional rivals like Auburn, Florida, uh, Tennessee, all in the mix there as well. This is an incredibly tough schedule for Georgia. Now, the good news about this is, is that we know that Georgia is not going to shy away from tough competition. In fact, we believe this is the kind of thing that Georgia's been bracing for for quite some time because before the expanded SEC and before all these changes, Georgia was already adding a lot of big-time non-conference matchups like the one against Clemson. In future years, Georgia was supposed to play like multiple Power 5 non-conference big-time games. So beefing up schedules is something that Georgia's been planning to do for quite some time. In fact, if you want to go back couple of summers ago you know Kirby Smart talked about that that whether the SEC you know you know adds more SEC games or you play better tough non-conference games that Kirby's belief is that this is Georgia should be and will be playing very tough games moving forward so Georgia's not afraid of this schedule Kirby Smart's words from the past to tell us how true that is in fact let's go back and hear him from a couple of summers ago on that very point we've been very aggressive in terms of scheduling and trying to schedule opponents out in the future that make great matchups because I want the University of Georgia to play in big games. So whether that's an extra SEC game or a, another Power 5 opponent that uh, attracts our fan base and excites our fan base, then so be it. So I think that's the exact mindset you want to have, you know, not being afraid of, not shying away from playing these type of games. And for the Georgia fan who says, yeah, but still, you can't go undefeated playing that schedule, I don't believe. If that's the way that you believe, I think you're probably right i've said before that no one typically speaking is probably more optimistic about georgia on a sort of yearly basis than i am but at the same time even i would look at that and say you know i don't know that you can expect to go on the road and have a clean sweep of texas bama and Ole miss you might be doing well to win two of those three games and you know you might take 11 and one right now and run with it as a guaranteed spot in the college football playoff for next year you might even be okay with like say 10 and 2 that might be quite enough but the other thing to keep in mind is 
is while Georgia's dealing with all of this, most of the other championship contending teams find themselves in a somewhat similar situation. In fact, let me give you a quick comparison here for a moment. So the reigning national champs for now is Michigan. Uh, we think about Georgia having to play Clemson, Alabama, Texas, Ole Miss. But next year, uh, Michigan's schedule has a non-conference game against Texas, uh, a game against the new Big Ten team, USC, a game against Washington on October 5th. That's the team they played for the national championship. They've got Oregon on the schedule next year, and they finish against Ohio State. So for the most part, when it comes to the two leagues that are going to be putting more teams in the college football playoff than others, it's not Georgia that's play. It's not just Georgia that's playing a much tougher schedule. It's really the entirety of the best teams in the Big Ten and the SEC both that'll be playing much tougher schedules, and that matters as we start to think about what the new year is going to look like. We all have to recalibrate our expectations. In the past, the idea of a great season for Georgia was you better win them all. You better be 12-0 and 0 and leave the committee no room for doubt, no room for error in terms of excluding you from the playoff. But moving forward, I don't know when the next time we'll have an undefeated college football playoff national champion is, but I don't believe it'll be next year. And perhaps it might not be many years in the future, and it may never happen again. All of the best teams are about to play tougher schedules, Georgia included. So when you think about Georgia's pursuit of a national championship in 2024 one of the potential things standing in the way is a schedule on paper perhaps tougher than any that Georgia's ever played but that's the new normal for college football and as Georgia navigates that the rest of the top teams in college football they will also be navigating similar circumstances and that is around the doghouse here today on dog nation daily presented by Breda pass management so as we told you busy show for us it's jake from before we're done really good stuff with jake on the quarterback situation at georgia and his own career and the national championship game and everything else in between but for now on everything else as it relates to Georgia football, uh, including the aftermath of the college football playoff, Georgia's presence as a way too early top 25, number one team, kind of unofficial status, uh, but still fun to talk about. We'll cover all of that ground in and more as we welcome in Mike Griffith here on today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insight. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management, always a uh, nice pleasure to have Mike Griffith on the uh, program, especially when Mike's kind enough to kind of work with our schedule a little bit here this week. National Championship over 2024 upon us. And one of my favorite times of the year, Mike, when we start seeing some of these way too early top 25s starting to come out, the unofficial rankings. And pretty consistently here, we're seeing Georgia at the top of those. What do you make of the fact there's already such high expectations for Georgia for this upcoming season? Well, I think it's out of respect for the culture that Kirby Smart has built uh, that was on display in the Orange Bowl uh, with all the guys that opted in. There's an opt-in culture at Georgia. I mean, that's accountability and and, um, you know, I, I just got to tell you, though, Brandon, uh, when, when I think about this 29-game win streak and what George accomplished, and I, I know it's still fresh in our minds, uh, but this is going to stand the test of time, man. And, um, and, and I think about why Georgia wasn't in the playoff. I think about how they limped into the SEC title game. Let's reflect on the November schedule. Uh, a Missouri team that beat Ohio State. An Ole Miss team that beat Penn State. A Tennessee team that beat Iowa 35-0, to and even Georgia Tech was impressive in their bowl win. And that was a murderer's row. And where my head goes with this is next year's schedule. Yeah, we've got Georgia picked number one uh, preseason, 
But, boy, they've got a tough schedule. And I don't want to hear any more from people saying that the SEC needs a nine-game schedule, Brandon. I just don't think they can do that um, because of the attrition and the physicality of the league that those Michigan and Washington teams that we saw Monday night, they didn't have to go through that gauntlet. So my mind turns to the schedule and, and how realistic it is for any SEC team to emerge unscathed enough to win a 12-team playoff. Yeah, I sort of think the day and age of the undefeated national champion is probably over. Obviously, you know, the best SEC teams, for the most part, are going to be playing tougher schedules year to year. I think that Michigan, you know, with the addition of Washington and Oregon, you look at their 2024 schedule, it looks pretty tough right now, too. Ohio State's maybe not quite as tough as you might think, but you know, I just think for the very best teams who sort of expect to be perennial playoff contenders, I think they're all for the most part, especially the SEC teams, playing more tough, you know, more difficult schedules. And so therefore, you know, eleven and one regular season, ten and two regular season, and having that produce an eventual national championship, kind of like it works out in the NFL oftentimes. I just think, Mike, that's probably what the future of college football is. I think you're right. Um, and, and listen, I, I don't want to take anything away from Georgia's place in the preseason polls. The reality is the preseason poll doesn't mean what it used to because it's not a race to number one in the poll any longer. It's a race to the playoffs. And really, if you're anywhere in the top 25, there's a pretty good chance you've got a chance at qualifying. I do want to throw this tease out there, though, as I put this Georgia program into perspective Brandon, this is going to shock you. I, I don't. I don't think I shock you very often with Georgia facts. I think you're uh, quite the student of the game, especially when it comes to Georgia football mm. history. I know I've told you before that Vince Dooley was never ranked in the preseason top five of any poll. I, I know I've told you that. But even more surprising, when I went back and compared this Georgia three-year run that we've just witnessed, I didn't realize that Herschel Walker never beat a top five ranked team. That Notre Dame team that Georgia beat in the national championship game was number seven. I did a double take. And this Georgia team over the last three years that we've been watching, Brandon, they beat seven top top five teams. We have witnessed some incredible football under Kirby Smart. No no, no doubt about that. What did you think of the national championship game on Monday, Mike? You know, I'm frustrated. Uh, I felt like we deserved better. I don't know who's seen the move, the new Hunger Games movie. But the first two hours were pretty good. I wanted the last 38 minutes back. I felt like I deserved a better ending. Uh, I felt like I deserved a better fourth quarter. I was very disappointed with the officiating. I thought the game changed on two uh, calls, notably called differently. Uh, Ohio, uh, Washington was driving and had a 35-yard completion into Michigan territory, and, and there was a really ticky-tack holding call. They were down 20-13. to 13. It was a momentum-changing play. Uh, and, and they called the ticky-tack hold and brought it back, and they punted away. And then on the next play, the next possession, Michigan with a flagrant hold that didn't get called in a 41-yard game and that led to the, the touchdown that essentially finished the game. I thought it was terrible officiating. I thought it was probably the strongest evidence of officiating, def- the uh, defining a game, probably since the Ohio State-Miami game uh, back in 2003 in the national title game. Very disappointed with the ACC officials. I thought the game was was uh you know was called pretty loose throughout but uh, I, I don't like it it's like a, it's like a strike zone brandon uh i just want consistency and we didn't get that last night and that was too bad mike appreciate your time on the program today we'll look forward to reading more from you at dognation.com and of course back here again on dog nation daily presented by Breda pest management very soon too got it 
Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Appreciate Mike Griffith being on the show. And a reminder, if you're just joining us, so we recorded the Mike interview yesterday. We're pre-recording portions of the show. You've heard me say that. And the part we got into, like the Jaden Maeva thing, we had to take that part out because, as you know, as we talked about off the top of our program today, that news is taking quite a twist here as of late. So we took that out. There is a portion of that we're leaving into the discussion we're about to have with Jake Fromm coming up in a moment. Uh, and we're keeping that in there just simply because it's more broadly about, you know, quarterback competitions and the idea that Georgia wants that fourth quarterback and how a Gunnar Stockton, Ryan Puglisi perhaps feel or respond to that. So that to me still seems relevant enough that we'll keep that in here coming up in just a moment. Prior to that, though, let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And let's get you ready for the Dog Nation cruise coming up in April, leaving on board Allure of the Seas. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind about this. Allure of the Seas, one of the largest cruise ships at sea. It's a part of the Oasis class of ships. And this is the first time here in 2024 that Royal Caribbean has ever offered these Oasis class ships, the largest, you know, class of ships with all of the fun amenities that go along with that on these three and four night sailings the dog nation cruise is a four night sailing and so that's a really fun new horizon here and we wanted to be a part of that with our dog nation cruise for this year so bigger and better than ever before all kinds of fun events taking place specially themed to dog nation events plus we're going to nasa on the bahamas we're going to perfect day coco k we're having all the fun you would imagine imagine us having with all of that so jessica slater is a great travel agent you can reach her directly if you want to 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 you can also email jessica j slater at dreamvacations.com but i also want you to know her website there as well that she's put together specially for our royal caribbean cruise it's royaldogs.com you want all the latest up to the minute information about the dog nation cruise how you can be a part of it royaldogs.com the place to go for all of that all right, a couple of cruising around the SEC uh, stories here before we get Jake from. We started our show by saying, or at least near the beginning of the show today, we talked about Georgia's kind of perennial status right now as the number one team and all of these way too early top 25s. We'll have plenty more to discuss about that. And over the course of the next couple of days, we're going to kind of look at some of the issues perhaps standing in Georgia's way as it tries to get back to number one in the country for the 2024 season but how about the other teams ranked near georgia in some of these way too early top 25s one of the teams that you're seeing pretty you know uh consistently featured near the top is texas espn that i'm looking at right now has texas as the number two team in its way too early top 25 and to me one of the big takeaways from the college football playoff was Texas making the playoff you know getting there obviously not beating Washington but playing a good strong game against the Huskies only to 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 fall a little bit short there at the end I think the feeling around Texas coming into the SEC officially for 2024 is far different now than it perhaps would have been a couple of years ago when their inclusion in the SEC was first announced this is a team that's been mocked for being overrated the whole idea of Texas is back and then always being kind of a unrequited prediction well i would say now texas is back they did you know win the big 12 for the first time since 2009 in their last year of the league you know they did make the college football playoff and kind of held up pretty well over the course of the entirety of the season that this is a big game for any team that plays them next year in the league including georgia you know i don't know that texas is going to win the national championship next year or anything like that but this whole idea of them being impossibly overrated all the time as of right now, this is one of the really marquee teams 
and the marquee matchups in the SEC next season and their placement on some of these way too early top 25s, kind of confirmation of that. Another team you're seeing near the top of all of this and number three in the ESPN way too early top 25, that is Oregon. Oregon, I believe, goes in the Big Ten next year with a chance to be the class of the entire league, more so than defending national champion Michigan, more so than the typical perennial power Ohio State. I think this could be a really big year for Dan Lanning and Oregon. They are just mastering the talent acquisition process here right now, obviously in need of a replacement for Bo Nix, of course, whose 10-year college career, however long it's been, comes to an end. But Dan Lanning is doing some very good things at Oregon right now. That is a very big deal. Alabama is number four in ESPN's way too early top 25. You know, clearly this is a revenge spot for Georgia on September 28th, and it is a very big game. Georgia needs to win that. Georgia needs to beat Alabama. Uh, we all know uh, we all know how true that is. But part of the offseason story for me is going to be what happens next for Jalen Milrow. This is a guy you've heard me say before. I thought Georgia showed too much deference to when it came to the SEC championship and a guy that I think kind of fell short. You know, you can blame it on Seth McLaughlin and the snaps if you want to, the center exchange. But I didn't think that Milrow was great against Michigan. And Milrow's ability to take the next step as a quarterback is going to be a big issue for Alabama here in 2024. And frankly, I'm not quite so sure that Milrow takes that snap. Could be worth uh, paying attention to. Or I should say takes that step, I mean to say. A couple other things real quick. Uh, national championship game, very high ratings. And it's a confirmation here of – you know, the committee's desire to have college football seem like a balanced sport, level playing field nationally, where all of the conferences are kind of vying in a similar position. There is clearly a financial incentive to do that. Now, the Pac-12 is going away, but America liked having a team from the Pacific Northwest apparently in the championship game and liked having a Midwestern team in the championship game in a way that most years that would typically be the SEC. So keep this in mind, that we believe that the college football playoff is essentially a business and it's going to do what is best for business and excluding the extra SEC team from this year's playoff proved to be good for business. Excluding the Deep South team, Florida State, from this year's playoff and making up whatever reason they wanted to to do so, that proved to be good for business. So you can say that competitively the playoff committee folks made the wrong decision. But what you can't say is they don't understand their business. They knew that putting this cross-section of America into their playoff would have the chance to benefit the bottom line overall, and they turned out to be right about that. So as we move into the 12-team playoff era, I think there's going to be less chances to put your thumb on the scale in manipulating the competition, but it doesn't completely end who you choose to give a bye to, who you choose to give a home game to, who you force to go on the road, who you exclude from the playoff overall. Those things are all going to matter going forward, and keep your eye on this committee doing what it can to make the sport appear balanced, make the playing field appear level all across the uh, country at large, because pretty clearly there are some financial incentives associated with making everybody in America feel like they've got a shot and that this is not a sport completely dominated by the teams in the SEC and in the Deep South. And then I'll finally mention this very quickly. Mason Smith, the former five-star defensive lineman, his career at LSU has come to an end moving on to the NFL. And if you want to sort of speak of what LSU has kind of not been this year, uh, perhaps maybe even some in 2022 as well, you know, a guy like this who came in with such high expectations but battled injury and battled all kinds of whatever and just ended up not really being the player at LSU that he could be. And 
you know, when you think about what the new SEC is going to look like and what LSU's place in that's going to be, you know, guys like Mason Smith, when you're good enough as a recruiting power to get the elite defensive lineman, what do you do with them when you get them? That's going to be a really important story. LSU has probably not gotten as much out of its defensive talent here the last couple of years. One of the reasons why they've made a very pricey change at defensive coordinator moving forward. And and the Smith era coming to an end there in Baton Rouge without a lot to show for his career, uh, that is clearly one of the things that LSU is going to try to fix going forward. And we'll watch to see if they're able to do that. We'll also make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And as promised, we'll have a fun conversation right now with the former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. And here on Dog Nation Daily, time now for a Kroger Fresh Take. We welcome in the uh, former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm, who's a part of a pretty busy news cycle up there in uh, Washington, D.C. right now as he gets ready to wrap up an NFL season and uh, come on back home here. Jake, thanks for your time and uh, happy uh, 2024. Glad to be talking to you. Um, happy 2024 as well. Um, such a bittersweet moment because college football is done. Um, sadly, my NFL season is done. To look forward to is the NFL playoffs. So, um, you know, it sucks that uh, college football has come to an end, but um, it sure was a good one. So, Jake, when you look at, you know, what Washington's gone through the last little bit, when you have a situation like this where – you know, head coach loses his job. You know, what's it like being on the inside on that when you're part of an organization and a franchise that has to go through that? I know it's a harrowing time for the coach. It's probably a confusing time for the players. For those of us who see this play out on, like, ESPN throughout the week, what's it actually like to be a part of this? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. There's just so much uncertainty in the air um, for players, for coaches. Uh, I mean, even for staff as well. Uh, you just never know what, uh, what the future holds. Um, but you just uh, kind of have to put faith in the, the work you've done, the good Lord above, that you know he's going to put you where, where you need to be and put you in the right spot. Of course, congratulations to you. You were put on the active roster, I believe, for the final game for the Commanders here this season. I know that had to be a nice feeling, and I guess for a lot of the folks who follow your career and want the best for you, you know, what comes next for you now with all of that? What will the next few months be like for you? Yeah, um, and so I was uh, – kind of blessed enough to be put on active roster the last two games okay good um yeah um so that's always uh always nice a great little pay raise as well but uh (laughs) you know the future for me is uh i mean technically i am you know still a part and on roster and on contract for uh for next season but uh you just you never know a new regime could come in and and wipe the whole thing clean or um you know you could hire in-house and you know you're good to go so you just never know um but you just Kind of have to hope that uh, the work you've, you've put in uh, up to this point um, kind of puts you over the hump and, and puts you where you need to be. I won't ask you to betray any extra information you might have, but once again, this is the type of thing that I think people are curious about. So you're obviously, you have a strong interest in who the next head coach in Washington is and who, you know, perhaps the next play caller will be there as well. Do you have additional information on that that's different than the average person, or are you just like everybody else sort of looking at Adam Schefter's tweets to sort of find out how all this goes down? Like how much, you know, uh, I guess insight into the process do they give such, you know, folks such as yourself on the roster? Yeah, I, I wish I was uh, a little bit more in the know and, uh, and, and had the scoop on it, and I, I wish I could tell it. Uh, especially here on dog nation, but man, I, I'm, I'm just as clueless as the next guy. Uh, to be honest, I, uh, the owner did come in and talk to us, um, uh, yesterday morning, uh, after they announced coach Rivera was, um, 
just said that they're going to hire uh, an executive of football operations and, and go from there. So um, we'll kind of see. I think a lot depends on you know that hire and. and that hire will depend on what the uh, what the head coaching situation will look like. You mentioned the college football season coming to an end. Uh, what were your thoughts on just how it all ended? You know, Michael Penix played amazing against Texas, but probably not able to match that against Michigan. You know, Wolverines win the national title. Not everybody's thrilled about that because of the controversy they've kind of been through. What was your kind of final thoughts about how all of this came to a close? Uh, I thought Michigan did a great job of staying true to themselves. Uh, they came in and, and wanted to win the line of scrimmage. They won the point of attack, uh, and they won in the trenches. Uh, their big guys just played better. And uh, obviously, you know, you, you saw it on offense and the offensive line, and they were able to run the ball for – they, they ran the ball for 303 yards, mm-hmm. and all that Washington's offense had total on offense was 301 yards. So uh, that's just tough to, to overcome. Um, and then Michigan's defensive front did a great job of, of just getting Michael Penix off his game. Uh, he was just a, a little bit off, uh, you know uh, – a little bit late to this ball or a little bit too early on this one. And, um, yeah, I did just, they weren't quite able to, to complete a deep explosive pass. And uh, it was just really tough to overcome uh, Michigan's uh, physicality in the game. Finished with this, Georgia added a quarterback to its roster this week, Jaden Maeva coming in from UNLV. I'm guessing you have not watched a lot of game film of the running Rebels here. You've been busy with your own football career going on. But to me, as a quarterback, I think you probably have some understanding of this, that – you know, Kirby Smart has said, hey, we want four scholarship quarterbacks. We want kind of a full, uh, he kind of used the word quote or whatever it is, you know, sort of a full complement of quarterbacks on the roster. But if you're, you know, a guy like Ryan Puglisi or a guy like Gunnar Stockton, while you're always happy to have, you know, good, talented teammates and you clearly want what's best for Georgia, there's also an individual competition going on here and bringing in a guy that's got starting experience somewhere else kind of ratchets that up a little bit, right? If you're a quarterback, you perhaps maybe see some of this a little bit different than the coaching staff does of, oh, this is one more person perhaps vying for maybe playing time this year if something happens to Carson Beck and certainly in an ongoing battle to perhaps be a starter in 2025, you know, definitely the presence of additional quarterbacks sort of spices that up some, doesn't it? Yeah, you just uh, – you, you never know until they set foot on campus and they, they throw the ball, you know, the first time where, you know, if you're another guy in the room, uh, you just any, – any time they bring somebody in that, that has experience, uh, that's just uh, competition. You know, it's another guy you're going to have to beat out. Uh, you're at, you know, the University of Georgia and – it, it, it doesn't matter. Like you're going to have to compete against somebody, and they're going to be good, and they're going to be talented. So um, I think it's always good to to fill that room with as much talent as you could possibly have. Um, obviously, I, I would assume you know that Carson would definitely be the guy sure. going in uh, the 2024. I don't think there's any controversy on that one. But uh, you know, moving on in the future, you know, after that, uh, you never know. The transfer portal is always alive and well. Um, you know, you never want to get too far ahead of yourself. But, um, man, anytime they, they bring another guy in the room, it's just another opportunity to uh, compete. Jake, it's so great to talk to you as always. And obviously, we wish you the best as you kind of move into your offseason phase here. And we hope you get a chance to uh, enjoy a little time off uh, coming up soon, maybe at some point in time to kind of recharge your batteries. I'm sure that's something you probably feel like you need. So thanks for being here as a part of our Kroger Fresh Take. And we'll look forward to the chance to talk to you very soon. Yeah, Brandon, thank you for having me, man. Appreciate you. 
Really good stuff there with the former Georgia quarterback. Of course, that's our Kroger Fresh Take. And my invitation to you is to check out KrogerChefJr.com. That's J-U-N-I-O-R, KrogerChefJr.com, for the guided kids' cooking experience known as Kroger Chef Jr. This month, making some chicken salad is just $7 per child. And in addition to being a part of the food preparation process, you also get some really cool things there as well. There's like a chef's hat and a a recipe box, a spatula, all kinds of uh, fun things. It's a really great experience for you and your child and another chance to experience that this month at select Kroger locations. So check out KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. Once again, KrogerChefJr.com. All right, quick shout out here there as well. Georgia basketball tonight against Arkansas. This is probably about as excited as I've been and quite some time for a Georgia basketball game. This is a team that won its first SEC game on the road this past Saturday at Missouri. It's hosting Tennessee this upcoming Saturday. I'm actually going to that game. And tonight, a chance to face what's supposed to be a pretty good um, uh, Arkansas team, but obviously reeling from a loss to, to Auburn this past weekend. And a chance to put you know some more work in on a resume that is starting to get the attention of some like NCAA tournament watchers things like that right now Georgia kind of in the mix here for the NCAA tournament uh so obviously a win against Arkansas tonight would go a long way towards that so best of luck to the Georgia basketball team as they get ready to play tonight we're obviously watching that closely here right now on dog nation daily and one more shout out before we wrap up here today our friends at the finish long drink if you're getting ready to watch some basketball tonight or this weekend or whenever else the finish long drink a great thing to go with you as you do all of that whether it's the traditional in the blue can grapefruit flavor gin kick that's probably still my favorite version even after all these years the cranberry a lot of folks in my neighborhood love that the long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume long drink zero no carbs no sugar or for a limited time here in the peach state get the peach flavored version of the finished long drink i know a lot of you love that and a lot of you have been working hard to find it because it seems to sell out pretty quick wherever it is either way this great category of beverage known as the ready to drink cocktail the best tasting beverage in that category is the finished long drink so go to the longdrink.com and you can find out some more about that and where you can pick some up here today all right so as we wrap up today we'll do a golden shoe here a little bit of conversation on the show about georgia's the way too early top 25 number one and uh, obviously the betting odds are out for the upcoming year our buddy ryan walker sharing this to say it's great that espn's already crowned the dogs for next year and you see the graphic from the espn show get up where you look ahead to the uh, national championship odds by espn bet that's the new betting service the espn is partnering with georgia just uh, a little bit more than four to one to uh, win next year's national title ahead of bam at six to one ohio state seven and a half to one michigan the reigning champs at nine to one short-lived glory for them perhaps texas we mentioned them earlier at nine to one oregon at 12 to one yeah so georgia right there on the top the betting favorite the early uh way too early top 25 favorite a lot of folks big expectations for georgia this year we're excited about that lousy stinking gators no such expectations in fact it's been 1159 days since they have beaten the georgia bulldogs that's our gatorator updater we'll see all of you back here tomorrow dog nation daily presented by breda pest management